I mean, I took U.S. history in Illinois, and I don't know how any of local politics work in California. Okay, no one does. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> uh, are we clapping? Are you ready? Oh, no, I'm painting my nails. <laughs> Three, two, one. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> You're still painting your nails. Jesus. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> See, this is also one of the downsides of FaceTime audio because I don't feel like I have any pressure. I'm just in my room hanging out. There's no one with me, just your face. Yep, yep. So it's fine. It's just a separate thing. I discovered something recently. Yeah. Um, besides this podcast... Uh, because okay. there's a specific purpose for it. And calling my mom, uh, I despise FaceTiming people who are far away. It is one of my least favorite things mm. to do. Yeah, you were saying phone calls in general last yep. time that we did this. You yep. were saying phone calls in general. You don't like having prolonged phone calls with people because you prefer the face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Is it like it's like almost teasing you with FaceTime? Uh, it, or... f- it feels like what's weird. I, I read it in my journal. Um, it... It feels like a form of mourning, like mourning a loss. Because, like, we're sad that, like, the uh, mourning the loss of the the close relationship you have, like, when you, you live in the same space. So, like, mm. calling someone is, like, wishing that you could be spending time with them, but not being able to. So taking what you can get and just calling them instead. But then that's disappointing because it still doesn't give you what you want. Uh, and there's no clear goal like you're calling them to talk to them but you're not doing anything so like if you have something to talk about then fantastic but like if you're just hey we haven't talked in a while that's like i can't do that i hate that Hmm. that's really interesting because i almost used phone calls and conversations with people as like a lifeline and i don't know maybe it's because i specifically am really isolated out here Mm -hmm. because i live in a place that i don't know anyone um I don't know. Like I said, I use it as a lifeline, I think, because I'll call my best friend back in Illinois, Elena, for six hours. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done that before. Yeah. And I don't get bored. Like, we also have been on the phone. It's like one of those people that I can be on the phone with her and we cannot be talking. And it's just as fine. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I've never experienced that on the phone with anyone i don't think um just in person just in person yeah yeah i guess as a child too all of my family moved out here when i was like 11 so that might be a part of it where i when i was younger in order to see and talk to my family it was all like it was it was calls. required to talk mm-hmm. see but then my mom moved to alaska when i was six so like yeah but then i guess yeah she's the only person i'm comfortable talking to so like yeah, it makes sense when it's normal for people far away. So you Politics. spent the entire day. Yeah, I was going to say, you said you spent hours today. Yes. My days recently have been uh, wake up around 1130 a.m., uh, stay in bed until around mm-hmm. 2 p.m., just mm-hmm. being in my bed, as you do, um, and mm-hmm. then resolving to that tonight i'll go to bed earlier and i'll get up tomorrow morning like 9 a.m and i'll (laughs) 
I'll do something great, and then I get really excited about something at like midnight, and then I'll stay up until 3 a.m. again, and then the process repeats mm-hmm. itself. So by <laughs> by the whole day, I mean from the moment I got out of bed around 2.30 to the moment I started eating dinner around 7.30. So uh, around 2.30, my dad texted me, and he said he would be home, and he wanted to ask me some questions about or just talk to me about uh, uh, politics, which is weird because he's been voting for nearly 40 years and mm-hmm. I, this is the first year I've ever voted. And like, I took yeah. one gov class. So it kind of mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I teach him things, but at the same time, I feel like he should be teaching me things. Like this is one of those things. It's one of those things. He definitely knows a lot more than you do. Uh, uh, no, uh, the opposite. Oh. Like he really, uh, yeah. Like he's, he's amazing at like specific things. Like he is, I, in my opinion, he's one of the best teachers that exists. Like, I haven't met all the teachers, but, like... I, I, I haven't met every single I haven't met every teacher, but, like, I probably could, but... and I'd still be like, yeah, my dad is, like, the best teacher on the planet. Like, he's he's really good at teaching. Yeah. Um, and he loves his job, and it's it's fantastic. I mean, to an extent, he loves teaching. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think he knows all the rules about, about all the, the politics, but we talk about it and and i've cleared up quite a few misconceptions or at least like yeah misconceptions is the right word um but i find what i'm doing a lot is can we talk about trump yeah <laughs> are we allowed okay cool why not other pe- yeah it's other people's shit that's that's what it is we're, yeah, we're let's talk about all trump's of it's on the shit. table let's talk about trump's shit yeah, um, we, I would just like to let everyone know here that while we may be talking about political beliefs and we might sometimes be talking about our political beliefs, we in no mean in no way mean to offend anyone, suggest that someone else's beliefs are wrong, some suggest that someone else's beliefs are right. Uh, but as adults or functioning members of society, I think everyone can agree, listening or the two of us, our family, our friends, anyone we may not know, that this is something that definitely has the potential to divide. And if we use that information to grow our horizons instead of separating us, then we're going to be a lot more successful in everything we do. And I think we both have that kind of general opinion. So continuing on that conversation as long as we remember that, We'll try and stay sensitive, but also realize that exposing yourself to new ideas is one of those ways that we grow as people. Yeah. And I personally, I tend to get heated sometimes when I talk about politics, but Mm -hmm. just as a preface, I always, always will, uh, if not respect, tolerate your opinion um, Mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't include um, hurting or killing anyone else. If you... Yeah. If you believe that everyone is allowed to live on the planet and should be treated equally, you're good. Believe literally anything else. Like, yeah. Yeah. But knowing that and having that preface, let us continue. Let's do it. Um, So I find a lot um, that my dad is, I don't know if scared is the right word, but when he comes to me, it sounds like he's, he's a bit scared of of the power that trump has and and what he could he could do to this country and how how he might destroy everything that is the american dream and everything we've all worked towards and Mm -hmm. at least my personal opinion is that he sucks but like the system continues to work and politics works Mm -hmm. slowly and at this point i'm if he didn't get impeached 
then I'd be concerned. But, mm-hmm. like, I think that after the midterm elections, uh, if and when Democrats take the House and Senate, he's out. Like, he's done. Mm-hmm. Day one, they're going to file impeachment charges. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I yeah. think that's... I think people disagree with that notion i think it's still up in the air officially whether or not he's guilty of anything Uh, but i mean bill clinton got impeached because he like he had sex with an office aide like that was that was all it took that was enough that was enough and after everything trump has said and done uh, they're gonna take the opportunity like uh, and there have been there was a a case uh, I don't know if I can cite myself on this or, or prove it, but there was a case I read about someone sued Trump for something he'd said or done, and the judge threw out the case, uh, not because it was uh, not a valid argument, but because the judge said, this is not my job. It's it's You might have a valid, valid argument here, but what, anything that you sue trump for has to go through congress you need to impeach him to have a trial for the president i can't like it's not Within the judicial power. branch's job to to do anything like that so i think th- that's literally the only reason nothing has happened yet is because it's congress's job and congress is supposedly on his side right now everyone's republican okay yeah that makes sense i guess i i don't remember all of the intricacies either of u.s politics at the moment because i've gone through a year since taking the official class on it and a lot of stuff going on but that would make sense for a lot of that at least that would make sense as to why absolutely nothing has happened so far and not worse has happened if that makes any sense what i do resonate with and i feel like i've also heard it is the fear in like not necessarily my parents, but maybe like one of my parents, my grandparents, my aunts or uncles. And I don't know about you, but personally, I'm not worried about it. And maybe I should be. Maybe that's the wrong sentiment to have. But at the moment, it feels to me like, almost like what you said, this, the justice system and the political system in America works very slowly, but it works. And... There's been a lot of really scary moments, I think, a lot having to do with the military force that Trump holds in this position or anyone in that position holds. However, the one thing that I feel like I still haven't started freaking out about is nothing's happened. I feel like I've heard every headline about everything he could possibly do. And I still feel like nothing's happened. So something that I don't think uh, people are making enough connections to is uh, Watergate. And until very recently, I think today even, uh, I hadn't seen Reddit is my main source of news. Yes, I hadn't seen a single Reddit post mm-hmm. about um, or en- any comments even about anyone comparing what Trump is going through right now to the Watergate scandal. So mm. I'm not sure. I never I never wrote it down, but I'm I'm fairly certain the Watergate scandal in total like from the time that it was 
that uh, there were any accusations that uh, Nixon had done anything wrong to the time when he was first like filed for impeachment charges was like two years. Like it was a long time. Mm. And Trump has barely been in office for two years. So. Oh my gosh. It has been that long though. Hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Um, Wow. We're almost halfway through his first term. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) That's not something first, that I first. really. Ha. Ha. <laughs> Hopefully, last in our, in my humble opinion, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I've felt like his term has been so short because I don't know. That's a very weird concept to try and grasp. Now is I felt like it was going so. I don't know. I feel like every moment has felt like an eternity, but now that we're almost to the halfway mark i'm like oh it has been almost two years now hasn't it yeah yeah when he hit um his first year i was still talking about like i still felt like he was just elected like i feel like it's still honestly besides yeah i feel like it's still right now it's kind of i don't know personally the only thing that's changed to me is the relevancy of the jokes about it (laughs) is I'll hear like Trump jokes now and I'm like, it's not even funny anymore. Like, it's just a thing. Please stop. Mm -hmm. Besides that, I don't know. Maybe it's just that it's felt like living on eggshells that it's like you can do, you can choose to go about it two ways. You can either acknowledge every single bump or you can just kind of ignore it and hope that you glide over them. And I don't think there's a right way to do it, but say, say what describe what you said one more time. I said, I think it might be because it feels like we've been living on eggshells. Like, there's two ways to go through it. You can either feel every single bump that you're passing, or you can kind of ignore it and try and walk across it like it's a full flat surface. And I don't know if either of those options are correct, but I do think Hmm. that having that awareness or that lack of awareness has made it go by. I think, at least the way I look at it is, even if everything is going wrong, the only thing, the only way out is to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, if you're incapable of actually doing anything, of actually making change, why, why should you worry? Like, mm-hmm. what? How can you add extra stress to your life? And I, I think a lot of people hold that opinion, but it's 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 difficult to put into practice it's difficult to just stop yourself from worrying it's like yeah i'm sad oh stop feeling sad have you have you tried that uh back to back to watergate though um the actual watergate break-in and the the creation of the committee to re-elect the president was early 1972 and Mm -hmm. articles of impeachment were not filed until july of 1974 so it is a very long timeline yeah and i think i think and how much damage did watergate do in whole what do you mean by damage? Just like the whole thing getting blown open when it did, how much more could have happened if it kept going? Um, honestly, if nobody had found out about it, Nixon probably would have just been reelected. Like he he did it 
completely out of personal gain and out of paranoia. He was already the front runner for the entire country. He was slated mm-hmm. to win before anybody knew about Watergate. And then once they found out about it, that's when everything hit the fan. Like hmm. if it if he hadn't created the committee to reelect the president, if there were no tapes, if he had never broken into Watergate, he still would have won. Yeah. I mean, well, he he would have won and if he like because he did it, it might have helped his campaign had no one found out about it, but he, it was never necessary. Yeah. He was already ahead, and it was mostly just a personal safety Yeah. thing. It, it couldn't... I don't think it could have been much worse than it was. Like, he got what yeah. he deserved. I think the whole situation, the thing that it fixed was just, we weren't going to reelect a selfish or a crooked person. Yeah. It wasn't like oh, if we reelect him, he's going to continue doing all of this, like, messed up bullshit. Like, no, it would have just been like, yeah, you would have had the same president again for another four years, and mm-hmm. you just wouldn't have known that he did all of this sly under the table stuff, which is like, mm-hmm. how many politicians are doing that anyways on a smaller scale? Yeah, yeah. And do we care? Which sounds awful. Obviously, there are moral standpoints to it where do I want someone who has to win or feels like they have to win even under the table? I think I think it's something that we don't talk about a lot, but I think that our society as a whole praises and encourages lying as long as you don't get caught. If mm-hmm. you get caught, you're one of the worst people out there. But if you're really good at not getting caught, lie all you want and do it more, please. Because like, we like people pleasers. We know what we like. And if someone can promise that that to us... yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even think a lot of people care if they don't get it. It's just they yeah. want to hear it. So if they do hear it, that's the only thing necessary. I've also been watching a crap ton of Mad Men recently, so my uh, my views yeah, are yeah, that's a very a cynical. Skewed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's nineteen sixty eight right now for me, so I'm I'm right in the middle of Watergate. You uh, know what? <laughs> I. What? I'm fine with that. I think yeah. the fact that the TV shows and the media that we watch are high, heavily influencing our opinions and our <laughs> motivations at the moment are really yeah. great. Yeah, that's fantastic. as long as we. What, what are you that, watching? What are you? What are you in right now? Currently, Westworld, yeah. and I'm caught okay. up. Okay. Ooh, am I caught up? Mm-hmm. Um. So what was the list? I, well, we can't talk. We shouldn't talk about spoilers, but. Yeah, we shouldn't talk about Westworld spoilers in this, but if you guys want us to talk about Westworld, tweet us. We have a Twitter account now, and I would just oh, like sick. to say that, and I can plug yeah, that Yeah, we do. I, I, later. I knew that. <laughs> hey But yeah, so I'm watching Westworld right now, and I'm like super into the cowboys and Western themes, where I went uh, thrifting with Brooke and Lauren the other day and we were seeing like corsets and petticoats and leather jackets that were like cowhide leather and we were like that's so cool oh my gosh and they were like i want to film a western and i was like put me in it and they were like absolutely it was wonderful and i really want to be in a western now (laughs) (laughs) that'd be super fun Uh, it would be super cool i do need to watch mad men though because i am super into the 70s vibe like 60s well, no, I know, but also I feel like 60s mod and 70s mod are the same. It just okay. depends on where you're looking at it. I'm just really excited. Halters are back in, wide-legged pants, straight mm. pleats in the front. I'm really excited about the fashion behind the 70s, and I'm really glad it's coming back this summer because I really like bright colors, but also the weird muted like brown-toned colors that really were only popular in the 70s. Yeah. I've got... Uh... 
I've got an old jacket from uh, my grandfather that is very 70s, and it had it has the men's warehouse card in it with my grandfather's yes. men's warehouse number and all of that, so I can go get it retailored for free. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's awesome, That's but I have not cool. found the time to do it. Uh-huh. Well, of but. course, yeah. You know what else is 70s themed that what made me fall themed? in love with it again? The intro for Critical Role's second season. Yeah, I I tried to watch episode three again, but they're they're four hours long, and I can't. I know. The thing is, I definitely was sitting in my bedroom for like a week and a half where I did nothing, so I just listened to Critical Role, and I've listened to a lot less of them now, so you can not worry about my mental health. <laughs> But mm-hmm. there was a time when I was only listening to Critical Role all day, and I got through like two or three episodes a day. Hmm. Mind I, you, um, the only episode that I watched live was the first one of the season, and they're on episode twenty-one. I am now on episode seventeen. Huh. I uh, I was actually watching a little bit of Critical Role, and uh, and a little bit of Lord of the Rings. And then mm. saw a picture on Reddit today of something. I don't remember what it was. But um, you're the second person I'm telling this to. Uh, but okay. I, I, I'm inspired. I do want to continue our Game of Thrones D&D game. I am so mad that we haven't played. I sometimes will walk around the house. Yeah. So us, the two of us and a group of our friends have a D and D game going on right now. That's all based in the game of Thrones world. And David is our lovely DM and I am one of the players. And, um, which is ironic because we also have another game going on with a different batch of friends, the friends who aren't playing in this one, who I'm the DM for and David is playing. What's up? Um, (laughs) but in this, game of thrones when we haven't played in months because of just people being gone and coming back and one of our players is in europe right now and then one of our he's players back. is going to europe <laughs> <laughs> yes he is back but but he was yeah, he so hopefully europe, we can get so. something going on soon mm-hmm. yeah but what i was gonna say was sometimes i'll walk around the house and i'll hear myself and this is how i'm like man i hope i can be a successful voice actor one day because i'll just <laughs> walk around the house and i'll be narrating things like in my character voice mm-hmm. and my character's name is Trianola and she talks like this and if I speak like this and I change how my cadence is a little bit then it comes fairly naturally to me and I'll walk around like that and I'll narrate everything <laughs> and I'm like man I miss D&D <laughs> and then I'll just write a crap ton for my campaign and force them to play because I'm bored yeah yeah, I did some storyboarding today. So I'm so excited. It's It's got more structure. I feel like as a DM, and I may be wrong, I've only done this once, um, long-time player, first-time DM, but I feel like as a DM, you're just at like a constant battle of, I'm not entertaining them enough, or like, I'm not doing it right, or I didn't plan for this, and I know that it wasn't as good as what I did plan, but I don't want to... Re- like, I feel like being a DM is just a lot of constant arguing with yourself. Like, ugh, that could have been so much better. But then you get done, and everyone's like, that was such a cool ki- like yeah. episode. Like, that was such a great session. And then you're like, oh, sure, but... And, like, then nobody has any complaints. Mm-hmm. My... I don't know. I, I agree with you 
sort of. My my biggest problem with being a DM is setting difficulty classes. And if you don't play D&D, a difficulty class is when uh, one of your players wants to do something, anything, and you say, you have, you tell them to roll a die to do that. So if they want to see if something's in the room, you'd say, roll for perception. And then as a DM, in your head, you go, okay, uh, in this scenario, I think that's going to be pretty difficult. So because they're rolling a 20-sided die, uh, I'm going to pick... Uh, 15 as the difficulty class because it seems kind of hard and then they roll like a 12 but then you realize that you wanted them to see whatever they were supposed to see so then you really quickly have to adjust the dc in your head or if you don't adjust the dc then they don't see the thing and then it feels like in certain times yeah even when you're not trying to railroad decisions you end up accidentally making happen whatever you as the dm wanted to happen and it feels like the players mm-hmm. are making choices, but you know that they're just doing exactly You're what you still told them to. Inevitably. You're still in charge. So exactly. Uh, if there, if I can find a way to make like well, and real choice, that would that would be amazing. Yeah, and I feel like you can get there. It's just, I don't know. I also hate seeing disappointment on the players, where they'll say like, "Oh, I want to do this," and they have it all planned out, and it's super cool. And I'm like, "That is super cool, but that's really hard." And so they do it. And then they don't get it, and I just sit there awkwardly, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this happens instead, and then they're like, ah, <laughs> and it's like, I know, but mm-hmm. you're level one babies right now. <laughs> I don't like. I know you want to be cool, but you can't mm-hmm. right now. And I'm sorry. I want you to be cool too. Trust me, that's the best for my story. Yeah, but you're not yet, <laughs> and I'm sorry. Sorry, you're just really boring. I think I noticed that. <laughs> Like, you're just, I'm sorry, you're basically regular people right now. You're not even heroes. I I noticed that when I was re-watching the second season of Critical Role, because I didn't watch the first season because there was too many at that point. There was in the hundreds already, and I could not. That's just a beast I can't tackle right now. Mm -hmm. But there was only 20 episodes in the second season, so I was like, that that I can manage. But I realized that he levels up, uh, Matt Mercer, the DM for Critical Role, um, they at least in this campaign, are leveling up on a event, like, platform basis. So they're platform leveling, where everyone in the party is leveling up at certain, like, points, which depends, because there's two ways to level up. You can either go all based on experience points, based on combat experience, and what you would give them for experience points for figuring out puzzles and problem solving and storyline stuff. Mm -hmm. Or you can just kind of arbitrarily be like, we've gotten to this point in my story, so I'm going to level you up because I need you to be at a different place or I want you to be at a different place. So I noticed that. And it's like, I don't know, I do want my players to grow as we continue, but I also don't want to take away narrative effect. What do you mean? Like, how would leveling take away narrative effect? Or do you mean... Do you mean... Not leveling, but, like, lack of leveling. Like... Oh. Like, just leaving... Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, uh... Like, if you do go based more on the experience side... You're leaving them weaker for longer. And then your players longer. are kind of stuck. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But then they also kind of get the hang of how to play, because that is a difficult situation. Especially when you are playing with first-time or newer players who don't quite grasp the idea of, I can do anything in this world. Yeah. And they kind of, like, run everything by you sometimes. and Or, like, there'll be one player that really takes the lead. And from an outside perspective, even sometimes from the inside, you can tell that that player is doing that. And sometimes that player even knows and they try not to. 
And I'm saying that because I know I've been that player before. Yeah. But also, you're like, they take the lead. You're smiling because you've also been that player before. Because I always want to do something, but I don't want to be the one and then you're who's sitting... always doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because it depends on how much you build your character. And I know one of these other campaigns that I've been running, there's a group of people who most of them have not played a lot yet. So a lot of the character creation process was me guiding them through how to use the player handbook, how to write down their um, like spells, how to write down their scores, their ability modifiers, things like that. The nitty gritties of D&D that usually you can just get past. And if you, as long as you don't acknowledge those as a legitimate part of the universe, it's easy to role play and do whatever. But I think spending that time with them and teaching them the structure of D&D has also hindered a little bit where it's like oh well what do I have to roll to do this and I'm like you don't need to ask me that I need you to tell me what you want to do I need you to act out perform what you want to do and if you convince me in real life I'm not going to make you roll for that because my character in real life believes what your character is saying so I think that's way more fun absolutely I would much rather hear that like an actual conversation of bartering in like a like shop setting than roll persuasion or roll deception I, I would much rather that happens than just, uh, you think this price is a little too high for you? Roll deception. <laughs> I got a 12. No, he doesn't think that. Like, that's not as fun yeah. as, like, charisma sweet weaving your way through. Mm. The other thing, what's difficult about uh, writing as a DM, I think, um, for the Game of Thrones universe, I think... Uh, you and other players were very very excited about being involved with all the major houses and like getting to do things with with characters they knew or at least like (laughs) parents of characters they knew because it's it's Mm -hmm. earlier on um but Mm -hmm. a lot of what makes game of thrones good and what would make that sort of interaction fun is political intrigue and yeah and there is no standard module in the basic D D books for how politics works i'm sure somebody has created a political module or or Mm -hmm. like warring factions sort of a thing but it's not something that i can easily run so if you haven't noticed (laughs) that's why we We haven't been doing that yeah yeah i'm working on it which no it makes complete sense because a lot of and game of thrones does have like the loose monarchy structure but there's so much more to the the Game of Thrones universe politics yeah. than that. Like, the lords and ladies all have their own situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of D&D campaigns that I've seen or listened to or participated in is just, there's a king, there are king's guard, there are people who are protecting the yeah, throne, it's the queen, and the, the queen's guard. Yeah. Like, and that's pretty much all it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas Game of Thrones does have so many aspects. There's a reason there's been so many wars. Mm-hmm. It's There's so many people who have so much power and also so many people who want more power than mm-hmm. they already have and even like because we're playing in in the time period of game of thrones that is the most unified like robert baratheon basically rules all of westeros mm-hmm. and but but even still like the martells still rule over dorne and still don't answer to king's landing like there's still not a completely unified world going on yeah so yeah you can't absolutely and i think i think that mirrors uh 
real life politics uh in that uh no i was trying to get the discussion back to normal in a funny way but it it didn't it didn't work no it's okay (laughs) honestly so many well let's be honest here because if you watch or read game of thrones most people can identify that a lot of the things that go on almost everything that goes on in game of thrones has mirrored events in the real world whether it be way way farther back in time or just pretty far back in time game of thrones does reflect that like political strife and political like fighting has happened globally forever mm-hmm. and there were just bigger powers at play sometimes whose voices were a little louder and that's why we don't know all of the politics that happen other places I would love to know, and if someone does, please explain it to me, do something, I don't know. But what was, like, the politics like with tribes in Africa before Europe and France and all of the United Kingdom's nations kind of tried to split it up and turn it into That would be so cool, and you're not going to believe that I can make this connection. But speaking of politics in Africa, um, I was playing Fortnite the other day. Okay. (laughs) Bear with me. And okay. uh, I, was, I was playing. I was playing squads. Phil, uh, random okay. Phil, and uh, I was I was put into a, a a lobby with three other players who all had microphones. My lucky day. Wow. Um, and they all spoke English. My <gasps> second lucky day. Wow. And that's they had some sort rare. of an accent that yeah right. Some sort of an accent. Uh, they all knew each other. Also, they were playing together just as a team of three with me. Also there. Okay. Uh, some sort of an accent that I thought sounded Middle Eastern of some sort uh, when I signed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of their friends left. There was the, the one person who didn't have an accent, um, and the other two were still there. And they were like, "Hey, uh, Galactic! Galactic is my my uh, Galactic Futon. My tag. Galactic! Uh, Don't say the numbers. The Galactic so Futon. Yeah. Request you all the time because we're famous now. There are no numbers. It's just oh, Galactic damn. Futon. Everyone's gonna know. <laughs> I got it on Am PlayStation. I yeah, I got it. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude. I want I want to play with you guys. Friend right. me. Um, <laughs> that's gonna bite you in so, the ass if we ever actually uh, get popular <laughs> if we ever yeah. you're gonna have to change, <laughs> we'll have to change your gamer it. No. Um, <laughs> so anyway there were one friend left and I was I was playing with, with these two other guys and I was like hey Galactic uh, where do you think we're from and I was like oh like I don't know based on the accent like I don't know like Middle East somewhere like I don't know where are you guys from and they were like oh we're from uh, we're from South Africa I was like, ah, oh, sweet, like, because it was, I've never actually heard a South African accent, yeah. but, like, apparently that's what it sounds like, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, like, I've never met anyone from South Africa before, that's, that's pretty cool, like, I've got a friend who's been there before, but, like, you don't care about that, yeah. so I'm gonna stop talking about him, um, and, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I was like, oh, wait, hey, you're from a different country, um, do you guys follow American politics at all, and, uh, he was like, oh, yeah, we do. Like, we get all the news. We keep up on it. It's just, I was like, what do you think? He was like, oh, like, it's it's really cool. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, it's funny, right? He was like, yeah, we oh. love that Trump guy. Oh. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, all right, nice. Um, uh, and then, you know, it goes on. And I, 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 thought, he was, I thought he was kidding at first um, just because I, I don't know if we have any listeners who are from areas where, where Trump is not made fun of constantly, but it's it's surprising when you meet a trump supporter like it's it's kind of shocking someone who actually uh, likes this guy um and uh so i was i was a little taken aback and 
uh, I think I was talking to my dad about it. No, who was it? Oh, I was talking to Ben. I was talking <laughs> to my friend Ben about it. Um, and he was like, well, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, like South Africa is probably the only country that's more racist than America as a whole. So hmm. <laughs> there was that whole apartheid thing. I just thought, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. There was that whole apartheid Which thing. Which I mostly That's know uh, yeah. only because of a old Disney Channel movie where it was like the, there was exchange students. It was a very, I feel like everyone who has stayed up past like midnight on Disney Channel as a child probably <gasps> watched this movie. It was like a friendship movie. Without your parents' like, consent? Wow. Um. Yeah, I was a rebel. I listened to Disney at like, or I watched Disney in my room when I was supposed to be asleep at like 1030 to like midnight because I couldn't stay up past midnight. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, no, there was this one movie about like these two girls who were foreign exchange students and there was an exchange student from Africa coming into a family home with uh, an all african-american family and they were involved in the government in the united states and it was a whole thing and they were really excited for her to come and then when she came she was a white girl with blonde hair and blue eyes and she was explaining how her family was also in the embassy in africa and it was just they had a lot in common and they had a lot in different uh, disney channel movie stuff but Mm -hmm. that was why comment or tweet us if you know what that movie is because i feel like every person has um listened or watched it another uh similar story my mom uh knew a guy from egypt um and he uh, she went to college with him and he applied for a scholarship um that was specifically for african-americans um for and he he was in the most literal sense of the word african-american his mm-hmm. uh mom was full-on Egyptian, and his dad was full-on American, African-American. And he Mm -hmm. was blonde uh, and blue-eyed and white-skinned, and nowhere on the application did it say um, you needed to be black. It was, it all said African-American because it was all trying Mm -hmm. to be uh, PC. And I think, I think he was a runner-up for the scholarship, and they were like, yeah, this is not for you. This is a black scholarship. Um, Which I think, I think would have been... (laughs) I don't know. I feel like if I were him, I, I would have I would have known that going in. But then it's also kind of strange how we we say African American and not everyone is from not everyone who's black is from Africa and not everyone from Africa is black. Like mm-hmm. it's it's weird that we we just use Africa as a general term, which uh, like still kind of refers directly to when we just loaded slaves onto ships as the pc it's form of the word still harboring in racism yeah even as a pc yeah. term it's strange and i have heard of several people like not wanting to identify with the term african-american because they don't identify with african-american culture they identify with black culture which is different yeah. things mm-hmm. i also find it i don't know i think it's really funny as a white person talking about how i feel about uh about uh, black culture and, and and the movement and Black Lives Matter and all of all of everything affiliated with that, like I feel like I have no right to talk about it. Like even even yeah, like 
in in support of it. Like it feels like I I can be there. It's not mine to talk. Yeah, about. I can be there to like to not be against it, but it's 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 difficult to like fight for that kind of a movement when I'm not fighting for myself. Like. I think that that's also just a thing generally with all minorities because I feel like you and I are also friends with a crap ton of LGBTQ plus community so. members. And when it comes to being a supporter, and we both are doing this while also being straight, cisgendered individuals. Everyone's an LGBTQ member somewhere in their hearts. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Um, and I feel like in that situation i always want to be there i always want to stand up for my friends and i'll try i don't know i i don't even try i guess posting about it or i don't try doing too much more than just being there as moral support or as i guess public support for my friends and my family who identify with this group of individuals because i feel like it's also not mine to talk about and i think I don't know if that makes it better or worse for minorities. I almost have to feel like it must make it worse. Well, uh, what I've heard is, uh, you know, people will deny that that white privilege exists, but I think that white privilege on the most basic level is just people's instant first interpretations of you. If you are someone, if you're someone who denies white privilege, I can almost or deny that white privilege exists, I can almost guarantee that uh, when you first look at a black person and when you first look at a white person, your immediate reactions are going to be different. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's not necessarily hatred, but it's there there is a, a different reaction, like, to, to your immediate a, response. It's a it's bias. It's a bias. Everyone yeah, has... It's just an internal uh, bias, and, that's, and I think that's what, like, that's enough to be called privilege. And, uh, like, I, I think, anyway, what I was trying to get at was just because we have it doesn't mean we shouldn't exercise it. Like, it's not necessarily an unfair advantage that we have to forego. Mm. But when we use it, we need to use, use it, it to help to people. Advantage. Yeah, to help people who don't have it. Mm -hmm. Like, lift others up yeah. with it. And that's really hard. <laughs> like, I was... Well, absolutely, because you also get the flip side of it where if you do that kind of thing, if you say something, if you say one thing that a specific individual in a minority group disagrees with or doesn't like, then you have one or two voices who usually try and call that shit out. Like, yep. even if someone's heart is in the right place, it's so easy to feel attacked and it's so easy. I've done it the opposite way on before when it comes to minority beliefs. Right, because I personally am not a part of a minority mm -hmm. group. But I guess I could probably really relate it to the whole... Um, I guess I could probably relate it to the whole women thing, because I do bring that up before. I do bring that yeah. up enough. Oh, well, there you go. Especially that's, that's in this the podcast I've done it. That is the minority, yeah. the group that I do belong mm -hmm. to. It's not something that's super crazy. It's not something that I would say is on the highest end of the spectrum of how minorities are treated, but it is one of them. And just like I think you've said it before in that situation, uh, I think we were talking about superheroes. You said, I don't know what I can and can't say. And I, I almost had to like give you permission in one of those moments to speak on certain subjects before. And I don't think you should have to do that. 
but that is something that I've also found preface like I found myself prefacing to my LGBTQ plus friends. Well, as like a straight cis woman, I I don't understand what you're saying, but I think I can grasp the concept of this, and then I impart whatever I was thinking about the t- subject. Like, there's so many warnings so that you don't get called out, so that you don't get just attacked for trying to support or join or share your voice yeah. in this community. And honestly, I feel like that's a good just way to live is just speak your mind like uh, we need to stop being so afraid of of people uh, being offended or hurt by just the things we say like what matters is what you do and uh, as long as you're not gonna get hmm. for a specific example like for me talking about women's issues i mean we had the whole discussion on on superheroes and i mean you convinced me you changed my mind like but it, it wasn't a place of 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 hatred that I come from, it was a place of, of, uh, ignorance and, or, mm-hmm. I, it, yeah, I think ignorance is the right word. And, and like, to a point, I feel like we should be better at teaching people who don't know rather than doxing them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said before, when we prefaced the political discussion, which we did end up wrapping back to, but like, we did preface that. It's the same thing. But the only way you grow and you learn anything new is by explaining it. And especially with us specifically, we do have a privilege where people will listen to us easier. People will look at what we're saying a little bit better. And it's because it's something familiar to them. I know that one of my family members didn't understand the situation that was happening when someone is transgender. And I, having a very close friend who is transgender, that was really disheartening to me, was to hear that kind of thing coming from someone I loved, like my family members, but also having that be about someone that I loved so much, like my one of my close friends. And over a couple of months, honestly, it wasn't super, it wasn't obviously instant, but it, it wasn't a super long time. Just speaking to this family member about that and clearing up miscommunications and explaining things and letting them feel like they could ask questions to me and the friend that I had around us, that in and of itself changed my family member's perspective completely. They no longer hold almost any of the feelings that they had voiced to me at the beginning. And now this friend of ours is a part of our family. Mm-hmm. They are organically inter- like integrated and there is no way that they can leave. Yeah. And that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for Mm -hmm. myself and my friend speaking about it. And I know that this family member also would have felt uncomfortable talking to this friend's face about all of these things if I hadn't been a bridge, a doorway into that conversation. And I think uh, I don't want anyone to to misunderstand, like, hate is real. There are people out there who who will claim ignorance and actually hate. And that's, like, I don't think those kind of people are the ones to be tolerated, but, yeah, yeah. but by and large, like, just help your neighbor, teach people. Mm. Yeah. That's the only way that we can ever move forward together, is... We're 19. We, we know everything about the world. Hey. Hey. <laughs> but, in all reality, we 
represent a big group of people. We we don't represent everyone by any means. Those damn millennials. We do, yeah. A selfish, ignorant, unentitled, lazy millennials. Yeah. <laughs> we are the ones that are going to inevitably propel us into the future. Yeah. And the people younger than us. Mm. So if it means yelling at them on online platforms or having conversations that you normally wouldn't continue and maybe being a little uncomfortable to hear someone else mm. and to hear another part of the human existence, mm. then endure five minutes of internet mm-hmm. bullshit and maybe learn a little. Hey, from here on out, can we just ironically call whatever generation is like 15 to 20 millennials? Because... I think that'd be funny for future yeah. generations. Like, <laughs> if it's just, yeah. we'll get past that's, it and we'll still be yeah, the millennial generation. That's how we'll, because we're not even millennials. Like that's the generation above us. Like, <laughs> But I feel like, I feel no, like if we okay, keep it going. On. Are we going to have this argument? Well, well uh, okay. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I ha- can't leave that. <laughs> I cannot. I think if you're going to use the generation model, you have to lump us in with millennials. Okay. And every single age group is going to also say that, but there is a point where you can separate it. Because I think personally, mm-hmm. when I think the millennial gap, everyone always says it's like, oh, people born 99, 98, like they, I've heard 97 being the gap. Like if you're born after 97, you're not. Like I personally think anyone who could have been within memory age of the recession and the effects of the recession as well as technology and how technology was affected by it should be lumped in with millennials because i think the generation below us did grow up with technology and so and so did we mm-hmm. but we didn't have the money to have those technology those technological things in our childhood so you're saying millennials are are like up to maybe 2000s babies. Maybe okay, 2000s babies. So see, what I think is I think you can't be officially classified as a true millennial unless you were born before uh like 1997. If you were the the actual uh criterion that I use for this or I would use for this um just because of where the word comes from, people millennials meaning people who came of age like around the uh, millennium um, is anyone who can remember 9-11 and we were both alive during 9-11 but I I don't remember it at all I don't like I have no conscious memory of that event um, but I think anyone who could go oh yeah I think I remember mm-hmm. like my dad like putting me in my bed or something and like my parents were really afraid like that that's enough to make you a millennial if you're I can see that as a flashbulb memory mm-hmm. Which I think, well, because if you're going to go by that, there are people in our generation who have those flashbulb memories. Because we were very Wait, young, kind of flash but flashbulb memories, memories okay, so as a psychological term, a flashbulb memory is any memory that's vivid or puts you in enough trauma or stress mm-hmm. to warrant your brain connecting it and making a permanent memory regardless of age. Okay. So most children start remembering things on a semi-regular basis at the age of four or five Mm -hmm. and they start forming long-term memories then but if something is traumatic enough or has enough impact on that individual's life someone can remember something as early as being one or two years old 
and I might be off by a little bit on that, so I apologize to any person who's actually studied psychology, but that's the general idea behind it. Can you imagine it. how much shit we get, shit we get, like, if we got famous and we start making all these claims, like, with an actual fan base, like, um, hey, technically... Really wrong half yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, okay, but then, but then no, but by that standard... We could be, depending on who you are, which is why I think you can't entirely define it by the event and being there and like within remembering age of the event mm -hmm. but to have that event impact you because you and i did not go through school middle school elementary school or even some of high school without having 9 11 covered every single year every single time on that day. yeah 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 M meanwhile there are kids now who don't even have those classes anymore mm -hmm. like we especially growing up we started school around then we knew 9-11 well, happened i remember going through so many projects on 9-11 and the momentary connection it gave everyone as nationalists i remember people starting to put flags up again and i think mm -hmm. that's a really big defining trait mm -hmm. is also knowing the repercussions of events hmm. yeah yeah okay okay, okay. <laughs> okay. all right all right Right. And I, I don't I do think that there are things that we may not be able to identify with millennials and especially the older side. But the same thing ha is true for every generation. Like, it's just I do feel I do really feel difficult. infinitely left out of the 90s kid like era, like only 90s kids will remember. I remember like having friends, older siblings. Oh, shut up. I remember having <laughs> friends, older siblings uh, like do the classic 90s kids stuff and wanting to be included but like no you're too small sorry you can't play like you're too, you're too little. little like sorry you can't play with that's our tamagotchi we were. We were so your close. parents didn't give you one i was born in the wrong generation but i was like six months off like so close <laughs> <laughs> but i get that too because like you're right we did lose out on a lot of like those tumblr twitter mm -hmm. facebook mm -hmm. posts of only 90s kids remember this but also i don't know about you but, like, my past was also filled with those same toys and those same, like, like situations, I guess, that they post about. Like, I remember the pencils where you pulled out the little plastic, lit, like, thing with the lead tip and then you put it back in the bottom. Yeah. Like, yes, I remember see, those. I remember Tamagotchis. I remember Slime. I remember old Nickelodeon yeah, because, like... Yeah, but see, like, I remember them, too, but then I also like my memories of those things don't begin until my memories of the oh, only 90s kids will remember trend also started like we got those things oh. right as they were becoming the staples of the 90s generation and not just normal society like we got them almost in, in oh, so ode saying... to the the older brothers and sisters who got to play okay. with those things first yeah you're saying that we got them as yeah a fad mm -hmm. thing where it's like once people realize that this was a defining trait then mm -hmm. and it was okay, I it guess was I so bad because kind of born in 1999 i thought i was a 90s kid for the longest time and then i realized that i was i oh. was part 90s kid part two like i was not 90s kid met people born in 89 yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> no because i was born in 98 mm. which is not a ton but just enough different I think a huge defining trait of the 90s kids, though, mm -hmm. is also being able to say, um, I'm sorry, you were born after 2000. Yeah. 
stop. <laughs> like, that's a huge... That's going to be so satisfying when we're, like, that's... 40. Like, I'm uh, sorry. Born... I was born in the 1900s. Oh, this millennia? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, right. sorry. Please sit yeah. down. Like, the adults it'll are just talking. Be another... It'll be, like... <laughs> please yeah. jennifer like don't even get me <laughs> um, started Catherine, because uh, <laughs> the old people names are gonna be like us anyway craig we can take this outside <laughs> nick can you please stop i think it's, I think it's really funny um uh, trying to start fights with people who have like classic upper middle class white names like craig or nick or mm. arguments with classic white upper middle class <laughs> names that's where we were jennifer, jennifer or harry harry steve david paul paul <laughs> <laughs> that kills people carl sorry i don't know why that <laughs> came into my head but wait wasn't the other llama named paul is that why i thought about that i think i, I think, think maybe. so that kills people carl <laughs> <laughs> absolutely hey so we just got a twitter okay uh i started a twitter for our uh web or for our to, what is this called david po- david what are We're we doing right now podcast. okay it's a podcast yep. okay i'm sorry i started a twitter account for our podcast it's called uh the handle is just at other people's and then shit but take out the i and shit that's it that's all other it is it's shit. just other people's shit uh so go follow us on there if you listen to us we i post updates about when we are posting i want to start putting some polls up there i want to start putting some feedback from you guys so we can start responding to them at any point in time and that might be way too advanced for what our current audience base is but i'm hoping because i have wishful thinking so if you want to go follow us on twitter go do that i'll also put it in the description of this episode hey david yeah why why is this human missing its hands? What what human? Oh, I was trying to make another llamas with hats joke. Oh, I it's been a while since I've seen llamas with hats. My uh Did you, did you ever watch like all 10 of them? There's 12. I watched them about a, a week and a half oh, ago. All, right. all well, in see, succession. That's... It was 6 okay. a.m. Yeah. That's summer. Carl, Carl, that kills people. Kills people. <laughs>